You are listening to the Empire 2015 Oscars Super Special, and I'm Ali, the editor. I'm not on this podcast because I was actually in bed asleep whilst it was happening. The other guys, Helen, Phil, Chris, were all there to watch it happen, talk about it. You're about to enjoy about 40 minutes of uh, great Oscars chat, as they say, and they may have forgotten to mention our sponsor, who is, of course, Squarespace. So I'm just here to tell you that this episode of the Empire Podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and an incredible 24-7 customer support. Try Squarespace at squarespace.com and enter the offer code Empire, E-M-P-I-R-E, at the checkout to get 10% off. So that's all done. I'll come back again later at the end of the episode. But in the meantime, here is your Empire Podcast Oscars 2015 special. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the third, fourth annual Empire Podcast Oscars special. Uh, We've stayed up all night watching the Oscars which takes place at the Dobley Theatre in Los Angeles uh, from the comfort of a temporary office (laughs) in the heart of London on a TV that, just to give you some context, if you wanted to change channels on the TV you watched (laughs) the Oscars on, you had to go down six floors to a basement where you had to trade part of your soul with an old man who lived Mm -hmm. near a bridge. Mm -hmm. Yes, so we sent Uh, Phil. We sent Phil. So it's now 5.40 in the morning. I've been up for 22 hours straight. Helen, what about you? Helen O'Hara, hello everybody. Hi, Geek hi. Queen Helen O'Hara. I'm here. Um, I, I got up late yesterday. Um, uh-huh. It was only about nine, so 20 hours. 20 you know, hours. Thereabouts. But That's yeah. pretty good. Mm. That's pretty good. Uh, Phil DeSemlian, our art house guru, well, how are you? Good, thank you. How long have you been up? Oh, I had an epic snooze yesterday afternoon on the sofa. I hate you. Yeah. Why didn't you just have a kip? I, I can't Prepare. do it. I can't, I, you know, I couldn't do it. Hmm. It was a big football game on. I was emotionally invested in that. The Oscars, if you don't know, and if you're getting your Oscar news from this podcast, and shame on you, but uh, Helen, fill them in quickly. What happened? Uh, big the, winner? The big news is that uh, Birdman is the big winner. It won four big awards. Uh, it won director... As in, the categories were big. The not, categories not were big. Not they, were, they weren't physically yeah. bigger Oscars. Okay. They are standardized size. Uh, <laughs> since Walt Disney got those little tiny ones for the special achievement for Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, otherwise they're standard. Anyway, mm. uh, it, that one best picture, best director, best original screenplay, and best cinematography. Mm. Um, so that's a, a two-year streak for uh, Emmanuel Lubezki. Um, who I can usually pronounce better than that. I'm just going to call him Chivo, Chivo. this morning. Chivo. And uh, it's a two-year streak from Mexico as well, so well uh-huh. done them. Uh, well, well done, Mexico. <laughs> well done, all of Mexico. Uh, also with four awards, the Grand Budapest Hotel took four, but as you might expect, those were in designy sort of categories, production design, costume, makeup and hair, which is one award, not two, mm-hmm. and best score for Alexandre Desplat, who beat Alexandre Desplat to the award. He, uh, he was also nominated for the in- Imitation Game after that, we'd Whiplash with three, mm-hmm. led by J.K. Simmons, who took Best Supporting Actor. And Boyhood, despite all those hopes, all the, the talk of it, mm-hmm. had to content itself with a very well-deserved, but just one award, Best Supporting Actress for Patricia Arquette, who gave a fantastic speech. It was a good spread of Oscars, so you know there wasn't like a 9 or a 10 Oscar hogger this year. There was uh, so Birdman 4, Budapest Hotel 4, uh, Boyhood 1, mm-hmm. Whiplash 3... Uh, Theory of Everything got one for Eddie Redmayne. Still, Alice got one for Julianne Moore, and the the shock result tonight. I think Julianne Moore winning Best Actress. Nobody <laughs> saw that coming. Uh, and um, uh, the Imitation Game mm. 
got one as well. So it was a nice democratic, hey, everybody win an Oscar kind of kind of feeling. Yeah. Yeah, I thought which I thought was quite good. Um so Birdman will be seen will be judged by history to be the be the, uh, the big winner. A deserved winner. Guys, do you think we'll look back on Birdman in 10 years time and think great film enduring film or one trick pony? See, I really I really 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 liked it. I really enjoyed it. Um and and I don't know how it's going to age at all. It's one of those things where now it seems obvious that Oscar voters would vote for that over Boyhood because it's so much closer to their experience mm. of life, um, really, probably, than Boyhood is because Boyhood emphasises, you know, modesty and restraint in a way that maybe Birdman <laughs> kind of doesn't. And that's not to say that it's a big and an obvious and a showy film in the traditional Oscar vein. It isn't the traditional Oscar biopic. I think mm. it's a little bit more going on than that. But at the same time, it's more... Hollywood friendly, perhaps, and I think that maybe gave it the edge in the end here. Um, By that I you think mean it's about it's about actors. Yes, it's exactly. About it's about actors, it's about, and it's about being an actor, and it's about being a star. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think the interesting thing, you, I mean, you talked about it being a one-trick pony. That's what people have been saying about Boyhood as well. We've mm-hmm. had this real division, I think, between two kind of film camps, and there have been accusations on both sides that the other one is a one-trick pony, and that's an interesting kind of little. Absolutely, head. absolutely. I saw a lot of people saying that uh, you know, Birdman should win Best Editing because it's uh, you know, even though there aren't that many cuts in it, it's very, very clever. But it's it's a it's a very, very nice editing job to make that work and get the pace going. And then I saw people going, "Oh, it's Boyhood because there's hundreds of hours of footage that was cut down to three hours." And then Whiplash won. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably right because if you think about it, I think cinematography is the right the right award to acknowledge the way that Birdman was made because yes. it is more about the cinematography to enable those seamless cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, Boyhood, I mean, f- I think possibly Richard Linklater shot himself in the foot there because I would have presumed that Did that he? was an incredible... Mr. Not literally, Chris, not okay. literally, Chris. Um, I would have assumed that that was an incredible editing job involving, as you say, hundreds of hours and, 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 and an incredible mm. like span of material. But he's actually said repeatedly, we went in with a very clear idea of what we were doing each year. Mm. So he made it, he sort of downplayed it, I think, a little bit. And I think maybe that was, you know, upplaying his screenplay chances, if you like, but maybe down at the expense of his editing said, I don't know. If he'd said we got to like a month before it was supposed to come out in cinemas and we had 12 years of footage and we hadn't really started (laughs) and I couldn't find the editor because he was somewhere on holiday, then... She, uh, She, she. I think Sandra. Sandra, that's a girl's name. Traditionally. Okay, <laughs> um, but sorry, I didn't no, mean no, to. I mean, yeah, your yeah, you think he, he he downplayed it slightly. I'm I don't. I mean, I thought from the get go that Boyhood was was going to win Best Picture as the, as the campaign unfolded. Birdman seemed to develop momentum. And I mm. think as you as you always swift to point out, the actors' voting block is the biggest, and this is very much a film for actors. It's probably if you're an actor, one of the funniest things you can imagine seeing because it taps into all of those kind of classic thespian. Uh, neuroses and uh, um, it's. I mean, I really like Bur- a Birdman. It's it's quite a discordant, sometimes jarring film. I know you weren't a big fan, Chris, but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, come on, come, well, I, I, yeah. I, it's interesting talking about you know the actors are the biggest uh, group within the Oscars, but it didn't win any acting awards. But yeah, but the big winner usually doesn't. The acting awards are the one thing that has very little relation. 
<clears throat> excuse me, we're to all, the best we're all picture. Bad, don't worry yeah, about we are. You know, it, it, the acting awards are the one thing that has very little rela- rea- relation, really, to what wins best picture. I mean, I think that's that's the the least likely category to be linked to a best picture winner. But it's interesting. I mean, is it an aspirational thing? Do actors look at something like Boyhood mm. and go, you know, it'd be nice as an actor to have a character to build it over twelve years, or you know, Birdman with these big fifteen minute takes and really get into a into a character in such a compressed time period, you know. But it's interesting that they didn't seem to go either way, really. Mm. Well, I think, stuff. I mean, the signs were all there because the best predictors of what's going to win at the Oscars, we know this, they're not the Golden Globes, they're not the BAFTAs. It's the Guild Awards, it's the Producers Guild, it's the Directors Guild. Yeah. And they both went to Birdman. Yeah, they did. And, and yet the, uh, we kept talking about this as a two-horse, very even race, and I'm not sure it has been. The Independent Spirit Awards were also... Uh, Indeed. ...a... a, a uh, Birdman sweep. The interesting thing is the BAFTA is mm. kind of mirrored the Oscars almost exactly apart from the two big deviations which was Linklater and uh, Boyhood won Best Film Best Director at the BAFTAs but otherwise it was still the same spread and mm. editing it was the same spread American Sniper won Best Sound Editing it was it was it was very interesting watching the the, uh, the correlation between the, the, the two. Um, but yeah, it's it, you know I'm, I'm not personally I don't think that Birdman's a five star classic but um mm-hmm. You know, it's it's fine. I don't I don't have a huge. I think this year's a, a relatively weak year, to be honest. Um, uh, and and films that I really really loved, like Whiplash, uh, were never going to be a big part of it. I think uh, it's nice to see uh, Whiplash get some stuff and J.K. Simmons uh, getting some recognition for his amazing performance. Yes, would be nice to see Miles Teller get some recognition. I think. Mm. No, no, of course, don't be silly. Men under thirty ever, never, <laughs> ever, ever win Oscars apart from Adrian Brody that one time. What they thought Eddie? he'd passed thirty. He was actually twenty nine. It was all very embarrassing. What age is um Eddie Redmayne? Oh, that's interesting. I think he's thirty two. Thirty two. He doesn't look it. He doesn't. He looks he about sixteen. Look, he looks. But, yeah, doesn't, yeah. But yeah, seriously, th- there's only been one Best Actor, and I mean supporting as well. I believe. Yeah, winner but, in his twenties. But what I mean by that ever. as well is that. You, you know, it takes two to tango and J.K. Simmons' performance doesn't work without Miles Taylor's performance and mm. for me, it just feels that he was ignored almost completely in this mm. uh, Oscar race. I'm not saying he should have won. I'm not even necessarily saying he should have been nominated but it would have been nice just to see him in the uh, conversation yeah. a little bit more as I, Brendan Rogers he, might say. He, in he the put conversation. David Yellowo obviously yes. you know, pr- prime in that list of yes. the, from the subspench, from the Liverpool subspench, Chris. I guess it's then, strong substance. Yeah, <laughs> but um, oozes quality, and um, and uh, Teller would be yeah uh, below below a uh, yellow obviously, who managed to have quite a big presence in the event despite yes. not yeah. getting nominated. And there was a feeling that there was a bit of a it was a bit of a um, consolation prize that they were going to you know bring him on, and <laughs> like the guy who'd missed I'd his do birthday, a or something. <laughs> just like the guy who has his birthday between Christmas and New Year's and gets a bit of a thing in someone else's <laughs> birthday at the beginning of January, um, that sort of vibe. Uh, and there seemed to be this sort of latent uh, passion for Selma, which all kind of came to a head during the when they when they did the best song performance, mm. John Legend and mm. Common, and then came up and collected the best song, Gong. Um, so there, I think there was much more love in the room for that film than perhaps, you know, was manifest in the nominations think, and the awards, obviously. Yeah, I think sometimes the, the voters and what happens in the room do seem to mm. always not always overlap. I think the voters are maybe a more conservative bunch. They're certainly an older bunch mm. yes, true. than the people we see sitting true. in front of the room. So maybe, yeah. maybe that's the explanation. I don't know. I, to me, Birdman is the most kind of out there movie to win Best Picture for a long time. I don't know if you guys can think of a film that 
that has been as kind of avant-garde in the way that it's it's kind of it's portrayed its subject you know just not just technically but in, in terms of the acting performances in terms of the world that Inuitu's created and it seems to me like the Oscars are getting more as as Hollywood gets accused more and more of being just blockbuster fodder and superhero movies the, 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 the Oscars feel like they sort of take themselves on to be as much of a you know the vanguard of creativity than they've ever been before I just think if you look back at the 90s for instance you know you had you had years where it was Forrest Gump, Braveheart, English Patient, Titanic, Shakespeare in Love, American Beauty, I mean, American Beauty, you could argue, but Gladiator. They're all really sort of old school classical bits of filmmaking. And, and Birdman is very much not that. And mm. I guess Gravity wasn't that either. They're both quite experimental. Boyhood's experimental too, but perhaps more conventionally so. Um, I just wonder if there's an element of like Hollywood needing the Oscars to acknowledge its furthest extremes you know, to show that it's still creatively valid, whilst actually the films that represent Hollywood now are films like American Sniper. Yeah. This isn't meant as a rant. I'm just interested no, no. in... It's interesting. It, it feels to me that they are more... They are prepared to uh, recognise more out-there ideas and more out-there directors than they, than they perhaps were a few years back. I think, I think there's a little bit of something in that, but I think they're not quite going as far as you would maybe like them to go. I think you're right, Birdman is further than they have gone in the past... Um, few years, definitely. Mm. But I, I'm not sure that they're quite at that stage of being a sort of corrective. Um, I think maybe in terms of nominations, you can make the case better. But like, it wasn't Gravity that won last year. It was 12 Years a Slave, which is mm. a beautifully made film by an incredible filmmaker. But again, it's a slightly more traditional That's sort true. of a story. That's true. I think, um, but, but, but you know... In the way it's told. Yeah. I mean, Argo is, a f- is another film about Hollywood, which they do love. The Artist, the year before that, was a film about Hollywood, mm. which they keep loving. Mm. And The King's Speech, there's nothing more traditional than The King's Speech, you know, mm. in a lot of I guess, I guess perhaps in the last couple of years, I was thinking, this, mm. theme, this, this, this whole notion of, of what Hollywood is seems to be more of a debate that's that's in the in the in the zeitgeist within yeah. Hollywood. I mean well, things like the 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 Sony hack and, you know, criticisms of the lack of creativity and the kind of the sequelitis that's taken hold have are phenomenons of the last couple of years and I, I don't know you're right I'm probably overthinking it but I'm just I'm just interested because I really felt like Birdman is quite a it's a divisive movie I think for every mm. person that loves it there's another one that really couldn't sit through really it. Hated it. Yeah, you're well, right. I think uh you know you look back at No Country for Old Men, 2007, you know, The Departed as well. I think Oscar for the last few years, <laughs> this nebulous term Oscar, as if the statue actually decides what wins. <laughs> that would be awesome. the god Oscar. Um, but, you know, it, 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 for me, they have been embracing edgy material. Argo, for you, you know, wasn't a safe movie necessarily. It was a bit of a risk. The artist gets beaten now but at the time for me felt really refreshing and interesting mm-hmm. uh, 12 Years a Slave is really really dark material uh, it feels that they're kind of going away from that very very safe big Hollywood bombastic mm. uh, model that they had uh, years and years ago and I think they, they were stung by criticism of you know things like Crash winning well, Crash geez. yeah yes exactly Just, the hive mind ne- yeah. doesn't necessarily gravitate towards other stuff but uh, yeah but yeah, but I think I think Birdman for all its for all its faults is a is a really you know as you say a really dark, edgy, challenging uh, piece of material. Mm. Yeah, and, uh, it's I'd rather no that crash. one. It's still no crash. crash. I'd rather that one than something that is fine but completely and utterly mundane, like the Imitation Game. Yes, Oof. well that's harsh, but I think possibly fair. <laughs> I would say 
you know. And yeah, it goes out there and it takes risks. It's got Michael Keaton in his pants running around Times Square. It's got <laughs> breaks the fourth wall. It's got incessant jazz drumming. I'm still recovering from the sort of tinnitus that that provided. Um, and it does, you know, and it does. It, technically, it's in, it's incredibly daring and bold mm. in the way that it it, yeah. uh, it presents itself. And 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 it's great that you know filmmakers like Inaritu and Alfonso Cuarón are able to be acknowledged for taking chances. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think that's probably good. I, I preferred Boyhood. <laughs> so did I. Uh, as someone pointed out on Twitter, uh, two members now of the Three Amigos have won <laughs> uh, Oscars, Best Director Oscars, uh, Alejandro G. Inaritu and Alfonso Cuarón. Uh, so Guillermo I thought you were Martin Short. Guillermo. Guillermo. <laughs> yes, Martin Short, Chevy Chase and <laughs> Steve <laughs> Martin. <laughs> Best wit no, this happen. The Three Amigos. So Guillermo del Toro, oh, it, is, it is your turn next, uh, maybe for Crimson Peak, but I'm guessing more probably for Pacific Rim 2. <laughs> yeah, one that seems likely. Bottoms? That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ned Niederlander would be, yeah. It seems to be the way to go. Um, let's talk about, um, before we get on to standout moments, good mm. and bad, Neil Patrick Harris. Mm. I'm going to say he died in his arse tonight. Um, and you're probably going to disagree with me because I've seen some people on Twitter say he was great. I've equally seen a lot of people on Twitter saying I, my heart broke for him because he started badly. It went downhill from there. And he had the air for me of a man who knew it wasn't going well and just kind of wished it were over yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. It, he had some, I thought he had some really good zingers occasionally um, and mm. and a couple of really nice snarky remarks, which I thought he delivered very nicely indeed. Um, but then at the same time, he had really weird little remarks in there like the uh, Edward Snowden treason remark he can't be here tonight for some treason and you're like wow that is not reading the room even <laughs> even slightly my god um and then he had just yeah you're right long periods of just joke free happenings and i thought also like his opening number, you know, you expect a big song and dance number with Neil Patrick Harris. He's actually done it at the Oscars before, the year that Steve Martin and Alec Baldwin presented. He came on to essentially anchor the opening number and did it really well. And he's done incredible opening numbers for the Tonys. There was one a couple of years ago, I think it was, I want to say 2012, I can't 100% remember, about how big uh, Broadway was. And it's genuinely brilliant. And by that standard, this opening number fizzled horribly. It was very, it was a little bit self-important. There wasn't the the humour that you need. And yeah. if he'd had that oomph at the beginning, I think we would have forgiven him maybe a little bit more down the line. But that opening number was flat, and then it just stayed flat. He couldn't inflate it, and he did try, yeah. but he he was not working. I think the problem, part of the problem, it's such a difficult job to, to get right. It's a it's a tired, hungry, sober room. Yeah. Um, in the middle of a very long, you know, a long basically, day. It's, yeah, it's a long day for them, and and it's it, very hard to win them over. And they and, and we've noticed in the last few years that there's been some, there's been some forlorn efforts from the likes of Seth MacFarlane and and uh, uh, especially James Franco, who managed oh, to God. die on Anne Hathaway's ass, which was harsh <laughs> for her, for her especially. Um, it's just a really super hard gig, and I think. I like it when there's a bit of an outsider to come mm. in, but then equally yeah. they might prick these the, the Hollywood egos by but being that, too John Stewarty. But for me, I think that's what what the Oscar host needs to do. There's there's a lot of pomposity in the room, mm. and by its very nature, and tonight there were it got very political at times, and there were a lot of very earnest 
speeches, and that's fine. That's something you expect. But I learned one is a host who then kind of goes, mm. you know what? We're you know, it's a bit of a, mm. it's a bit of a, you know, a bit of a inside baseball wank, isn't it? Really, uh, but don't worry, we've we've got it. Um, I don't really feel I got that from Neil Patrick Harris. I feel he was just he was just floundering, and this is. It's really tough. I mean, last year, Ellen DeGeneres, I thought, was okay, you know, safe pair of hands at the Seth MacFarlane debacle. But I think a lot of the blame has to land on the producers, Neil Merrin and Craig Sedan, who are just, you know, they, they haven't produced a good show yet. Um, I think a lot of the, the pomposity actually comes from the Academy, which makes a lot of the decisions it must for be even tricky. the producers. You look um, at the Golden Globes, And, Globe, and, and to be example. honest, yeah, that's true. You know. But also, we, I, I've been doing, I've been at, you know, doing the Oscars with Empire for, now for what, 11, 12 years? Oh, there has years. never been a time ever where you guys have come out of a, I'm thinking of you, Chris and James and the like, you've never all come out of a ceremony and thought that host was great. That has never happened this entire time. Going to say John Stewart? I loved John Stewart, but I remember people in the room criticizing, maybe it was James, not you. Um, I adore John Stewart. He said things like, um, he, he gestured to a giant Oscar statue on the side of the stage and said, do you think if we pulled that down, democracy would reign in Hollywood? Mm. Freaking love him. He was hilarious. He was brilliant. When, when this was after the the, the, the the incident where Dick Cheney went out on a hunting thing and shot one of his friends by mistake, thinking they were a bird, and then and he used to make some joke about how Bjork was on her way, but Dick Cheney shot her because <laughs> she was wearing that swan-like yes. dress. Anyway. And, and also uh, that was yeah. the year that Clooney won for Syriana, and as he went off stage... Um, John Stewart said, wow, winning an Oscar, that's the kind of thing that could get a man laid. <laughs> How much more do you need? <laughs> it was amazingly funny. And, yeah. and this ceremony had some funny moments, but what, what, few and far between. What seemed to rain tonight was a deliberate decision to steer away from that, from the dreadful, you know, the ghost of Bruce Valanche, you know, <laughs> stumbling around writing terrible one-liners. And sometimes there were some terrible one-liners here, but there were no, for example, no comedians came out and did a little bit of shtick you know, sound mm. editing. I'm going. No one came out and did that, or you know, green screen mm. faffing yeah. around. There was nothing like that. I'll be honest. I, I quite, I'm quite glad of that. I find those things. I mean, they can be really funny, but I just think they they tend to reserve them for the small technical categories, and it always feels a bit patronising yeah. when you've got like Ben Stiller pretending to do. Um, to do perform motion capture is pretty funny, but normally they're a bit like, oh, you're not doing this with the big categories. You don't have someone coming out going, oh, I'm an actor. <laughs> Look at me acting. <laughs> I'm saying some words. You could get Ian McKellen to do that thing in extras. I don't know what to they, say. It's they, written down for me. They kind of did that one year with the writers. With, wasn't it Robert Downey Jr. and Tina Fey doing a bit about writers? That was kind of funny. Yeah. But yeah. Technical um, category. Yeah, I, I would. I, I actually had a revelation tonight during the show. I realised one thing, one single simple step that would make those excruciating presenter bits 100% better. What? Ban the use of any variation on the phrase, as so-and-so once said. Oh, yeah. Ban mm. that. No quotation to open in your presenting remarks. Nothing. I don't care what Frank Capra said that one time. I love Frank Capra. I don't want to hear it from you when you're presenting an Oscar. Unless it's absurd. Unless it's I absurd. I believe it was Frank Capper who once said, <laughs> and then you just, you know, you, you go into a little ball for five minutes and just rock back and forth. Yes. Okay, I'd, so, I'd pace yeah. Yeah. Something but, like that, but like shorter. As Jim Bowen once said, <laughs> I would absolutely be on board with that. Um, having said that, yeah, Neil Patrick Harris, I really like the guy, uh, you know, but that thing with the magic <laughs> trick... I'm just thinking what about Jim, that? Jim Bowen presenting the Oscars. Jim Bowen would be amazing. I'd love to see that. Old school, working men's club. Yeah. You handle that lot, you can handle 
the uh, the Dobley Theatre. Here's what you would have won. And I think it's Dolby, isn't it? No, it's Dobley. Oh, okay. Um, I'm voting for The Rock, unsurprisingly, for our Oscar <laughs> host. He was one of the very few presenters to handle his bit well. I beg your pardon? Steady. And uh, I, think, I think he could do it. Somebody tweeted at the time, we're looking at the post for 2017, and I don't think it's impossible. <laughs> Believe believe oh god we've reached that point in the evening where every word sounds like a safety word to me <laughs> we're just permanently on the verge of just shutting it down um what are uh, we talking about the magic trick yes the, what was the that about absolute nadir of the what evening happened? i think it was meant to be a co- clever comedic bit where he made you think because he's a magician he is neil he? patrick harris is a very very keen and very very talented apparently magician so it's not a surprise that he who worked it into the uh the, the set somehow but it just didn't work. Mm. Um, although, again, I saw some people on Twitter who disagreed with that and thought it actually did. But um, I did not think it what did. What should he have done instead as a magician? He sawed, some, sawed Meryl Streep in half. Or he could have sawed the show in half. We could have been, <laughs> we could have been doing this at four in the morning instead of six. Uh, but anyway, that's... Um, Meryl Streep was my MVP, actually, because, um, first of all, her presentation of the obituaries stroke, st- struck sorry, just the right note for me of, of you know mournfulness and also sort of looking back with fondness and, and some degree of, of of happiness almost. But at, she did at do a quote. Did. She did do as She so did do a quote, but said. she delivered it. And like, if you're Meryl Streep, you can do what you like. I also, believe it was Obi-Wan Kenobi who once said, look, switch off your targeting computer. Exactly. Yeah, I believe it was, yeah. <laughs> that would work for her. She could do it. Anyway. <laughs> and uh, now she let also... us remember Lewis who left us the last years. <laughs> She also cheered hardest for one of the uh, the big right-on lefty moments of the night, which obviously I loved, um, which was Patricia Arquette's uh, Yay Feminism speech. Uh-huh. Uh, it was astonishingly Meryl Streep sat next to J-Lo, and I want to understand what that conversation was <laughs> to begin with, but also the two of them going completely nuts in the front row as Patricia Arquette called for equal rights. Amazing. Do you think she thought she was a seat filler? <laughs> No, oh. Meryl Streep knows. Do you mind, dear? Someone, someone famous is sitting oh, there. No, I'm, I'm Jenny from the Block. That's very nice. Yes, Mrs. from the Block. But I, I have to say, best speech for me was um, Graham Moore, who was the writer of the Imitation Game. Now a lot of people were like, "What? The Imitation Game mm. should not have won Best mm. Adapted Screenplay." And then about thirty seconds later, we're like, "Oh my goodness, the speech is so <laughs> moving. He deserves it all." Yeah. Um, because he talked about his his own history and his his you know thoughts of suicide as a teenager, yeah. because he felt different and felt weird and felt out of place, and how he this was a call for anyone who feels that way to you know keep going and win an Oscar, and that's just wonderful. I thought I thought it was a night of lovely speeches. I thought. Um, mm. That was a great one. I thought Inaritu's uh, two speeches were, were very, very nice as yes. well. Eddie Redmayne was great. He was one mm. of the few uh, people who actually kind of gave in to this kind of sense of childlike joy. Like, I've actually won an Oscar. This is an Oscar and I've got it in my hand, you know. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Um, Common everyone, and John Legend were brilliant. Common and John Legend, Incredibly yeah, inspirational. Really inspiring the room. Um, Julianne Moore with her speeches she had in no way prepared, what I thought was was uh, very, very cool as well. J.K. Mm. Simmons was fine. But I really loved the fact that some people were just like, no, I'm going to talk and I'm going to do my speech because this may be the only chance to get to do this and you're not going to play me off, mm. you yes. tyrant in the orchestra pit. Because they tried to play off Pavel Pavlikovsky, they tried to play off Don Hall and Chris Williams, directors of Big Hero 6. I loved, actually, that um, Pavel Pavlikovsky managed to to sort of basically keep talking until the orchestra gave up and stopped. Um, because he was saying lovely and interesting things, and frankly it was better yeah, it than was. anything the orchestra was going to play. No offence, <laughs> we're very talented musicians. Um, and then the winners, uh, they were the best documentary shorts, Crisis Hotline Veterans Press won, and they were Ellen 
Gusenberg. Remind me of the Kent. Kent. Ellen Gusenberg Kent. And then uh, was it Dana, Dana Perry? Dana Perry. Yes. Obviously Helen. Uh, I mean. Sorry, I apologise to them both. But they uh, first of all said some very nice things about everyone they worked with on the film. Um, yeah. And then they they raised awareness of again it was a, a suicide uh, topic and mm. the the orchestra actually stopped playing again because they realised how incredibly insensitive and awful it sounded to be trying to play someone off when they're talking about such a serious and such a worthy topic. Um, so, you know, fair play to the conductor actually for for kind of giving in gracefully or somewhat gracefully at least. Do you think they learned from the time when they played off the VFX winners in the middle of in the middle of sort of mourning the passing of one of the VFX companies? Oh, yes. Um, or the time that they played <laughs> off um, uh, the, the pair for once and John Stewart had to call her back on to let her finish her speech. Oh. That was another reason he was great. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but that can, that can yield a nice Oscar moment. And there were a few yeah. nice Oscar moments, definitely, tonight. I just don't know if any of them will live in the sort of I don't, annals of Oscarness. I don't, I don't know. I, 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 think, I think we had a couple. I think we had... Uh, I think we, it was a, This is a weird thing. I thought the host was poor. Um, I thought the show itself lacked a lot of humour. But otherwise... I thought it was a good show. There were some missteps along the way. Uh, the Jennifer Hudson number Ooh. after the in memoriam section was weird. She's a great singer, but it felt like you'd already done that. You'd already paid tribute. And what are we doing now? Mm. You're cutting people's speeches down, but now we have a four-minute filler song. Um, a lot of people loved it, but I thought the Lady Gaga taking on The Sound of Music... Mm. Uh, I don't think there were any winners in that, to be honest. Well, no, I think I think she sang it very well. I had no idea why the hell it was there. Yeah, but, the you thing. know, yeah, it's, sure. Scott Jansen comes out and goes, 50 years ago, there was an incredible civil mm. rights march in Selma, and there was, you know, something else was happening, and all these incredible social and political things were going on in the, in the zeitgeist. <laughs> and also, the sound of music was made, and so here's, a, here's Lady Gaga. What? Well, it felt a bit strange to me, to be honest, but there were some really lovely moments. The Selma... Um, the performance of uh, Glory from Selma from Common and John Legend mm, that was uh, great. with the sort of backing troupe of singers who were kind of recreating the end of the film. And obviously it has such a powerful impact on the room. It made David Oyelowo cry. It made Chris Pine cry. Captain Kirk cried, people. Chris oh. Pine was crying Damn. a lot. He loves that film. Clearly he loves that film. Because he film. was he was first with the standing ovation whenever uh, Common and John Legend won the Oscar. But that led into a nice little 10-minute run I thought was the best in the show. Um, mm. Well, you had that, and then out of that outpouring of emotion, you had the, actually, I thought, genuinely quite funny, uh, John Travolta, Mea Culpa. Uh, that's, yeah. not, that's, not, <laughs> that's not what he thinks her name is. <laughs> that's not a name. <laughs> not a real name. <laughs> I loved you, Mea Culpa, when you won that Oscar for my cousin <laughs> Finney. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> um, yeah. So he, he, you know, he came out and uh, did that thing with Adina Menzel. I just thought it was correct. Kind of funny. Yes, and was... she mispronounced his name, and it was adorable. Glom Gorsino. Yes, <laughs> it was. That was really good. I enjoyed that a lot. Uh, that was a good bit. It's funny, isn't it, when you're watching like a football match, for instance, on the telly, and you can't, you can kind of get a vague sense of what the atmosphere at the ground is like, in you know, a little bit, but you can really feel it with the Oscars when you're watching it. You can feel through the prism of like the TV in 12,000 miles, the, 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 the show was slipping away a little bit at that mm. point, almost to, to the point of terminal <laughs> velocity. <laughs> and, and I think that song in particular brought it back to life, yeah. like, a, like a massive singy, songy defibrillator. And that was nice. And then, and you're right, and then it was followed up by the John Travolta 
Adina Menzel, the Del Dazeem bit, and that was great too. And then it caught it, the momentum came back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it is a bit like it is a bit like a stand-up comedian, isn't it? Like if you lose the room, it's really hard to get back because everyone's very self-conscious. I think it is. I think th- not everybody was. In fairness, I would like to shout out to Channing Tatum, who was determined to have a really good time. Did you see him? He was in hysterics over that Steve Carell bit. Basically, um, Neil Patrick Harris was in the audience pretending that Steve Carell was a seat filler, having a little chat with him. Um, and, and you know, Channing Tatum is l- giggling away behind them. He also seemed delighted to receive a Lego Oscar. Mm-hmm. During their performance, they gave out Lego Oscars to people who weren't going to win one, including Emma Stone, Channing Tatum and Oprah. Um that was fun. I thought the Lego performance, it was mental. It was chaotic. I had no clue what the heck was happening. Mm. But I enjoyed it because Lego Batman was there. Or Batman. Or, <laughs> or Will Arnett. Anyway, somebody was there. Yeah. They were wearing a bat suit. They were flapping their wings mightily. It was mightily amusing. It was Will Arnett in Val Kilmer's bat suit from Batman right. Forever, which is <laughs> pretty awesome. an amazing piece of trivia. Uh, I really liked that as well. And uh, I think Glory... From Selma's a, a, a great song and a worthy winner of that category. Um, but if it hadn't won, I think Everything Is Awesome would have been also a worthy winner. The Tim um, McGraw song, or the song that Tim McGraw yeah. sang, I should say, was was actually beautiful. I hadn't heard that one before, but I would seek it out again. I actually liked all the uh, the musical stuff this year, with the exception of Lady Gaga <laughs> for me. Well, didn't Gaga. didn't quite didn't quite do it. Uh, I'm just racing through some of the uh, the uh, the big categories now and just seeing if there's anything else that we've missed. Uh, great knife for the Brits. Fantastic knife for the Brits. Oh, wonderful knife for the Brits. Another British triumph for the Oscars. Uh, the phone call, Matt Kirkby and James Lucas won Best Live Action Short Film. I thought they did a lovely speech as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a very interesting short. Uh, Interstellar, um, Paul Franklin and the mm-hmm. guys at Double Negative uh, won for visual effects. I mean, if, you're, if your film actually prompts scientific papers, you know, that's, that's, probably, that's probably a fair result, actually, I have to say. When your acceptance speech is beamed in from another galaxy, <laughs> you know that you've done a decent job. What do we think of McConaughey's beard? He looks like a he looks like a what we used to call in Australia a massive Darrow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's gone. I don't know what's happening. There. Um, what does that mean? He, he, he lives in a box in the street. <laughs> um, I assume it's for a role. I kind of initially had a moment of thinking, wait, is he in silence as well? Because we've been seeing um, <laughs> yes. Uh, Andrew Garfield Andrew Garfield thank you Uh, I was like Emma Stone's boyfriend you know (laughs) Spider-Man oh Um, that's why he wasn't here tonight Andrew Garfield um, with that crazy beard and I was like is Matthew McConaughey in that have I forgotten him but But no it's for something else but then Liam Neeson's in that and he didn't have the big beard no maybe he's just sticking it on and he popped up tonight, so... If Liam, if Liam Neeson turned up on set, right, and you're Martin Scorsese, who's about five mm. foot two, and Liam Neeson's like a big lad, and he says, I'm not growing a beard, Martin. Well, to be fair, I Liam won't. Neeson is so manly, he could probably just go, beard grow, and the beard would just go, <laughs> it's on his particular set of skills. Just, <laughs> beard. Right. He didn't list all the particular set of skills, did he? So that he could hasn't. be one of them. It could be anything. Horse riding. <laughs> Insta-beard. How hairy is his arse again? <laughs> I can pick up all three few channels. Um, I don't know how hairy is his arse. Did you not, ask not him very him hairy. For the, for not the very hairy. Pint of milk thing. I did ask him. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so not not terribly hairy. You'd be delighted to know, or maybe you wouldn't be delighted to know. Well, who knows? A couple of other things I just want to very very quickly uh, run by. One kind of weird running motif through the evening was 
the liberal spoiling of Gone Girl, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, if you haven't seen Gone Girl, don't watch the ceremony. Um, <laughs> I, I don't even know how much we can comment on it. Okay, some Gone, Gone Girl spoilers are going to follow. Yeah. But Earmuffs. Earmuffs. Let's see, there was the Neil Patrick Harris um, throat slitting yes. reveal. Uh. There was uh, the reveal that a lady did it. There was the reveal that the original, <laughs> the supposed reveal that the original title was Bitches Be Crazy, yo. <laughs> um, yeah, it just kind of kept going and going. Rosamund Pike's best actress clip was a spoilerific clip. That's right, yes, from As the well. very end of the film. Yeah. Bizarre choice. I thought was interesting. And also, just to talk about McConaughey and people like that, by the way, his beard is for... Um, the Free State of Jones, which oh, of is his next film coming up. Uh, it's a slavery drama. It was just a little, little motif, and it shows just how much things have changed. Is that almost every presenter seemed to be from a superhero film? It was just kind of, it was kind of weird. At one point, there were three Batman in the room. <laughs> you know, there was Will Arnett. I'm counting him. Of course, mm. there enough. was uh, Ben Affleck and uh, Michael Keaton. What's a collective noun for a bat for a group of Batman? An orphan of Batman. So that was, that yeah, was cool. Yeah, that's but, the word. <laughs> but, then, but then at some point, there was obviously Captain America, there was uh, Star-Lord, yep. there was the Joker. Gamora. Um, Gamora, there was uh, Harley Quinn. It was just kind of interesting. It just shows the way things are moving. It does, yeah. No appearance for Groot. You know, usually they have like, uh, they do, they get like the effects company didn't mock up something. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, that would have been fun if, if Groot had come on Red Eye Category and everything had just been, I am Groot. That would have been hilarious. That would have been hilarious. Oh, well. Get the producers in here. Note for 2017, guys. <laughs> yeah, let's make it happen. Right. I think we've exhausted the Oscars, and as the Oscars have indeed exhausted, exhausted us. Exhausted us. Yes, indeed. indeed. One last thing um, before we wrap up. Yes. Next year. I'm, I'm not waiting around for that. Yeah, he's going to see if he can get through that sleeping. Yeah, yeah. should we give Outstrip it a go? Outstrip these delirium levels. Will it be the year of the, the Western again? Maybe. With I, the I Revenant. Knows. And the hateful eight. If we say and yes, will you let us go home? Yeah, no, I'd like stay to go, here and like talk to me about Westerns. And I'll be honest, I would like to go to the toilet. <laughs> so if you okay, can, if you can just yes, yes, awesome. fair enough, you can go. Thank you so much You're for excused. listening to this uh, this sleep deprived Empire podcast Oscar special. Thank you to Phil. Uh, thanks. What? <laughs> bye. What am I bye. supposed to say? I don't know. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye bye. Uh, bye from Helen. Good night. Uh, we'll be back on Friday with a regular podcast. We will be compass mentors for that one. Don't worry. But Ish. we hope you enjoyed this. And, and we will see you next Friday Off. in three days' time. Four days' time. I can't count. See you. Bye. Hello, Ali again, the uh, Empire Podcast Editor. I am here to tell you a bit more about Squarespace, our sponsor for this special Oscars podcast. What you need to know is that this is a simple, powerful, beautiful, easy way of making a website with Squarespace and, as we say, 24-7 support via live chat and email, and it only costs $8 a month, which is even less in pounds because pounds are a bit more powerful currency-wise than dollars fun fact also if you do sign up for eight dollars a month you get a free domain if you buy squarespace for the year it's got a responsive design it's great for commerce it's got these cover pages that allow beautiful one page online presence setups that get done really easily you can start a trial with no credit card required and start building your website today so when you do sign up for squarespace make sure you use the offer code empire e-m-p-i-r-e to get 10 percent off your first purchase and to show your support for the empire podcast Get involved, enjoy it, and also enjoy the rest of your day, life, weekend, and we'll see you next Friday for more Empire Podcast fun. I've been Ali, the editor, and we love you. Goodbye. Goodbye.